This week on Not Sam Wrestling, Braun Strowman joins us. We got to talk about NXT moving to the USA Network, the future of this podcast, and the live Not Sam Wrestling show coming to Caroline's on Broadway in New York City, Times Square, September 8th, Sunday, 7 p.m. Get tickets now at carolines.com. Only 20 bucks to get in. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Is not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Man, what a week. This is one of those weeks where, like, I want to dive into the uh, NXT moving to USA thing so much that, like, I want to skip over everything. I'm not going to. Obviously, you know, spoiler alert, it's going to be the number one story on State of Wrestling this week. But I do, like, as I'm talking to you right now, I want to skip the intro. I want to skip the interview. I want to skip stories five through two. And I would just want to make this whole podcast about my thoughts on NXT moving to USA because over the last couple of days, well, really, I've been thinking about it, I don't know, for a week or two since, since the rumors have been going. But since it became official, official, official on Tuesday this week, you know, everybody was talking about it on Monday. But since it became official, official on Tuesday this week, I've been I've been mulling it over quite a bit, and uh, I've got a lot to say about it. I've got a lot of opinions. That's coming up in the state of wrestling this week, uh, and we're gonna have Braun Strowman. You're gonna get to hear the interview that I did with him uh, in uh, at in Toronto during SummerSlam weekend. Really uh, great interview with Braun. We touch on a lot of stuff. We touch on Bray Wyatt. We touch on the fact that. At one point, he's getting fed up in WWE, and I don't know that he's told that story before. So a lot to unpack with Braun Strowman. But before we get there, there's a lot to unpack with Not Sam Wrestling. If you listen to the the pre-roll, the very, very, very beginning of the show, I said we talk about the future of Not Sam Wrestling, and we're going to get into it, you know? Um, The future of Not Sam Wrestling as a podcast, right? So we've been running for, it'll be five years, this October... It'll be five years of Not Sam Wrestling, which is, I mean, a major accomplishment. If you get Variety Magazine and you saw Conan O'Brien on the cover, you would think that podcasting just started, <laughs> that, that Conan O'Brien actually invented podcasting and made it uh, a business. Uh, however, that is incorrect. Uh, five years ago, I felt like I was late to the game starting a wrestling podcast. Since then, oh my God, has the thing just exploded. Oh my God, everybody and their mom has a wrestling podcast now, and I appreciate how many of you guys are still rolling with us every single week here on Not Sam Wrestling. You know, we've turned it into uh, business through ad support and through uh, the supporters uh, of the Not Sam Shills over at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling, but the whole world's changing. The world of wrestling is changing you know, in the last five years, I can't even tell you the amount my world's changed. I mean, five years ago, in the time that this podcast has been going on, I launched a morning show on Sirius XM that's on every day. I, oh yeah, started working as a guest for WWE. Uh, oh yeah, had two kids, by the way. One of those episodes was broadcast from the maternity ward of the hospital we had our first kid in. Um, 
you know, I can't even, those are just the, the major life events that pop out at me as I'm having this conversation with you guys. There's been so much stuff that's happened in the last five years. And as I'm watching the wrestling world really start to change dramatically, I start thinking about this podcast. We've been talking about the fact that th everything's going to change this fall. This year's the year everything's going to change. Everything's going to change this fall. And it's one of those things that it seemed like October of this year has been far away for a long time. Ever since the SmackDown announcement was made, that's when the rumblings of change started. And then, of course, it was AEW being introduced and announcing their TV deal that coincides with SmackDown. So we're actually at this place where it's really happening. You know, the announcements have been made. The plans are going through and it's really happening. So where does that leave Not Sam Wrestling? And how do I feel about Not Sam Wrestling in the new landscape of the sports entertainment and pro wrestling sphere? Well, I'll tell you this. Not only do I feel like there's still a lot left in the tank. Okay, this is not my pink jacket moment. I'm sorry, salmon jacket moment. Not only do I feel like there's a lot of gas left in this truck that Not Sam Wrestling is going to be running for quite a bit longer, but I was really thinking about it all week. And I think that once, you know, Wednesdays start to become the night and the Wednesday night wars really kick off and, you know, Different people may be saying different things, but make no mistake. The Wednesday Night War is 100% a thing. What is, there is going to be so much to cover. I mean, realistically, you know, on a given week, you have to talk about Raw and SmackDown, right? Those are the required shows to watch in the world of professional wrestling. You can add NXT, you can add 205 Live, you can add NXT UK, you can add New Japan. You know, there are various uh, indie promotions you can add. On any given show, there'll be a pay-per-view or whatever it is. But realistically, it's five hours a week, right? That's just about to be doubled. We're about to go to nine hours a week, every single week, of essential wrestling. I believe that for a wrestling fan, essential, essential. Essential doesn't mean the best. Essential doesn't mean the only. Essential just means if you don't know what's going on on these shows, you got no business talking about it. So, you know, starting September 18th, NXT becomes an essential show. Takeovers are essential viewing. NXT weekly TV, in terms of talking about it week in, week out, I, don't, I think that they're some of the best TV shows in wrestling. I don't think it's essential to talk about the TV week in, week out, especially because it's taped four weeks in advance half the time. So I think September 18th, NXT becomes essential viewing. And I think October 2nd, I think it is, AEW becomes essential viewing. You've now got four, not two, four essential wrestling shows to watch every week. You've still got a pay-per-view every month that's essential from WWE. You've got four to five takeovers a year, essential, every year. 
And then who knows what paper, what type of pay-per-view schedule AEW is going to have. I really wouldn't be surprised if AEW is even remotely successful if they try to move into the monthly pay-per-view game. You know, I would imagine at least to start, it'll be quarterly. But I wouldn't be shocked to see AEW go uh, having pay-per-views every month. And realistically, at least in the short term, and quite possibly the long term, AEW pay-per-views are going to be essential watching. I mean, we didn't have podcasts in the Monday Night Wars. But if we did, it would be, I mean, you know, Wade Keller and Dave Meltzer were doing radio shows. And it was essential that you saw the WWE pay-per-views, the WCW pay-per-views, Raw, Nitro, SmackDown, Thunder. All of it was essential. And I feel the same way about WWE, NXT, AEW. So, does that mean we pick a day of the week? We're also breaking up the week. Right now, we got a really nice divide where by the end of the week, we're kind of petering out when it comes to wrestling. Even pay-per-view weeks, it's really Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday that all the essential stuff takes place. Now it's going to be Monday, super-duper Wednesday, Friday, and then possibly Saturday and Sunday. So where does that leave Not Sam Wrestling? I want to have this conversation with you guys. If you guys are not Sam Shills, I want you guys to talk about it in the Discord room because I will read all the comments. If you're not not Sam Shills, feel free to tweet me at not Sam. Feel free to email me at notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Because in my mind, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that wrestling in general is going to require a twice-a-week show. I don't think one Not Sam Wrestling show with an interview every single week is going to be enough. I don't think one state of wrestling a week is going to be enough to really break down the things that happen. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Not Sam Wrestling, and this will probably go down... Honestly, it'll probably... Well... It'll go down either the end of September or the beginning of October. We might just do a couple bonus shows at the end of September, and then maybe once October hits is when this schedule will go balls to the wall. But I'm thinking that the Not Sam Wrestling podcast, the show that you're used to with this intro and then an interview and then State of Wrestling, I think that maybe we move to Monday. Maybe Monday morning, because I also want to put the the podcast out in the morning. I think it's important that you wake up and the podcast is there for you. So there is that delay. So if I wanted to like cover Raw, then I wouldn't be able to put the show out to Wednesday because then, because here's what I'm thinking, right? Like I need time to record after I watch a show. I can't be up until two o'clock in the morning because I wake up at 4.40 every day to do radio. So, so I can't record, you know, a monologue after Raw every week. So I would have to record on Tuesday and then jump on Wednesday morning is when the podcast would come out. But on Wednesday morning, you're now getting a podcast with Raw results as we're gearing up towards AEW and NXT. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that every Monday morning, instead of Thursday morning, not Sam Wrestling comes out. And that's this podcast. You got an interview, you got State of Wrestling. And you got this little intro deal that I'm doing right now where I talk to you guys about what's on my mind. That's Monday morning. I would tape it Sunday night. It would come out Monday morning. Uh, If there's a pay-per-view, idealistically, 
I would want to get a recap of the pay-per-view onto that show. So I'd maybe on pay-per-view weekends have to wait until late Sunday to push it out. But I think I could do that. So Monday morning, Not Sam Wrestling would drop every week. Then we would drop a bonus every Thursday afternoon. So Thursday, I would come home from doing the radio show and I would recap Raw, NXT, and AEW. And that would not be, there would be no guest on that show. It would basically be another state of wrestling. I probably wouldn't call it state of wrestling. I'd just say the, you know, the Thursday update. So I'm thinking, Not Sam Wrestling comes out every, starting in October, Not Sam Wrestling comes out every Monday. And then every Thursday afternoon, you get the Thursday update. So Friday night SmackDown will be covered Monday morning with Not Sam Wrestling. Raw, AEW, and NXT gets covered on a secondary Thursday update. So that's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking we're going to need more content. I don't want to make this podcast 100 hours long, especially since it's topical. You know, I also don't want to have to wait a week before I can cover this or cover that. So, and I also, and I think that you guys want me to keep the interviews in. I don't think that we want to do away with the interviews. So that's where my mind's at right now. Let me know what you think about all of this. Uh, at NotSam on Twitter, NotSamWrestling at gmail.com, or if you're a NotSam shill in the Discord room. But if you like the way this sounds, Monday morning, NotSam Wrestling, Thursday afternoon, the NotSam Wrestling Thursday update for October, you let me know because that's what I'm thinking. I'm also thinking that it's time that you hear a voice besides mine. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that it's time that you hear the voice of a monster among men. There was a media day that I got to go to, SummerSlam weekend, and one of the people that I got to talk to was Braun Strowman. We talked about uh, his journey to get to WWE. We talked about, you know, the way he did pay his dues just in an atypical fashion. We talked about uh, frustrations that he's had inside WWE. We talked about Bray Wyatt. We talked about Strongman. We talked about all this stuff and more. Ladies and gentlemen, this week on Not Sam Wrestling is the one and only, the monster among men, Braun Strowman. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. We're back here with Braun Strowman. Braun, I have to tell you, the size differential between the two of us is... It can't go overstated. I mean, I can't. I don't even think when you're looking on camera right now. I don't even think we appear to be the same species. Uh, I'm not. I'm a different breed. I mean, uh, look at me. Nah. <laughs> so are you? Are you uh, were you born? Obviously, you were born tall. But have you always been a big guy, or did you start training strongman and get big? Or so I was really pretty much a normal sized kid for a long time until like probably like 12 or 13 I hit this crazy growth spurt and literally in like two years time I grew like a foot and gained like 80 pounds or something in two years so I graduated high school at 17 I was 6'5 and 305 pounds at 17. 305 pounds? So yeah and uh it, it took a while to, to callous myself and uh Lots of time in the gym stacking bricks up to build this meat castle that I've turned into today. But uh, I'm actually down in weight, so when I competed in World's Strongest Man, I walked around, and the heaviest I ever was was 418, which was just, I was miserable. Like, my girlfriend at the time had to tie my shoes. I couldn't bend over it. I was just so big. But 
God bless, was I strong? But I don't, I, <laughs> I don't miss being that big at all. I just constantly wearing sweatpants and five XL T-shirts that look terrible. Um, I'm pretty happy where I'm sitting right now. I'm, I'm sitting around 345, 350, and just healthy, and everything feels good, and my feet and knees don't hurt as bad. But it's, it's part of the territory of being big. It's just one of those things you deal with. I don't think that people realize, like you know, the strongman community is like so small. You either know or you don't know. Like, I don't think people understand that not only do people train all their lives to be the world's strongest man, but they do things like they sacrifice their entire lives. They'll, they'll put themselves in a position where they're not gonna be able to tie their own shoes because they know you have to be that big to be able to pull a truck across a parking lot. Yeah, yeah it's just one of those things, uh, risk to reward ratio, and it's just, I'm a big believer in you get one shot at life and make the most out of it, I mean, I've been blessed enough in my ventures so far. Like I've lived five men's lives already, and I'm just going to continue to push the envelope and do do things that make me happy. When did you find wrestling? Were you was it always something that was in the back of your head? Is it you just you're this big guy and you would look good as a wrestler? Like how, how did that all come about? So as a kid, I mean, let's be honest. What young boy doesn't watch wrestling? Go. That's what I want to do when I grow up. Uh, so I watched it as a kid, and yeah, I wanted to be a wrestler, but I didn't know any how to do it. Wherever I grew up in a tiny little town of Sheriffsport, North Carolina, and no idea how to get involved in wrestling. I wanted to, but I just didn't know what to do. And uh, luckily, I was working at a nightclub downtown Charlotte. And I met a couple guys that competed in strongman, and they noticed that I was a larger human being than normal. And asked me if I wanted to come out and give it a try. And I'd always loved watching strongman. It was the same thing kind of with it. I didn't know how to get involved. Well, it fell into my lap. And I trained for two weeks, did my first contest, won my first contest, uh, trained for another month, competed in North America's Strongest Man, finished 15th in the nation at my second contest. My third contest was the Arnold World Championship. Uh, I finished 17th in the world at my third contest. And then I didn't lose another contest for three years. Wow. And then uh, I was the fastest American to ever start the sport, get his pro card. I think I, I started in a little, a little less than two years. I earned my pro card in Strongman. And I was in Los Angeles in 2012 for World's Strongest Man. And um, Mark Henry and Canyon Seaman were there recruiting. And I met him, exchanged information with Canyon. Uh, that was in, what was that, September of 2012, yeah. Um, they wanted to have me come down. I come down to the FCW building. It was still there. The Mormon Center hadn't even been opened yet. Uh, so I went to FCW down in Tampa, did, walked around, cut a promo, and they offered me a deal. And uh, I kind of waited because I was still I was in contest prep to get ready for the Arnold 2013 uh, which was my last strongman contest. Unfortunately, it didn't go as I wanted. I tore my bicep trying to break the world record on Atlas Stone, um, but got that fixed up. And then when uh, that was March of 2013, July 4th of 2013, I moved to Orlando. July 8th, I started at the Performance Center, and here we are today. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's, an, it's an amazing way to go. When you get to the Performance Center, is there any part of you that is like, Oh my God, like I just figured out this skill set because clearly you're a natural at strongman, right? You, you, you get that pro card so quickly. You start winning competitions so quickly. You're like, this is, I'm designed to do this. This is what I'm meant to do. All of a sudden, pro wrestling opens its doors to you. You're like, this could be not only 
This, I could be good at this. This could be super lucrative. This could be fun. I'm gonna try this. That's kind of the out, that's pretty much the outlook I had on because I mean I was making some money in strongman, but you can't eat trophies. So like <laughs> man, I had to eat, man. And that's the crazy story about all this. Talking about, I moved down here July 7th, 2013. I packed up everything that I own in a Kia Soul with 150 bucks to my name, moved to Florida to start this journey. I was sleeping on my friend's couch at the time. That's got to be a big couch. It, it was it was a nice it was a nice sectional. I was very thankful that he had it but yeah it was crazy and I remember when I moved to Florida I moved in with my buddy's girlfriend because I didn't have I had no money to get a place nothing I slept in her spare bedroom and when we first started there was something happened because of the holiday my contract didn't get countersigned something yada 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 long story short I didn't get paid for a month after I moved to Florida I was borrowing money from the coaches at the performance center to get it and then yeah now now I just signed up four more years with WWE for very lucrative amount yeah. of money. Yeah, that lucrative thing we were talking about, it's taking place. Yeah, and, and, and that's 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 testimony to busting your ass. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Like, that's all I've known how to do. Everything I've done my whole life, I've worked my hind end off to get. Because yeah. ain't nothing ever been given to me. Let me tell you guys something. I gotta take a moment to talk to you about one of my favorite services anywhere on the internet. Look, we all want to believe that we're better than this. But the simple fact is... That when a guy, no matter how smart he is, no matter how funny he is, no matter how good looking he is, when a guy walks into a room and he smells or he doesn't look put together, it's all you're talking about as soon as he leaves. Oh my God, that guy stunk. It's all we do. Don't be that guy. And if you are sitting there going like, Sam, people don't actually do that. They're probably doing it to you. You don't even realize you stink half the time. And you do. And you know why you stink? It's not to, because you're dirty. It's not because of lack of trying. It's because you're like me and you don't understand this world of grooming. You know, we're in this world now where men are expected to take care of themselves. But we weren't raised to take care of ourselves. How on earth do we know what to buy that's for us? You know, you want, if you're going to go to the effort, you want it to look, feel, and smell like you're using products that were designed just for you. You want to be one of those guys. Well, what if I told you it could happen? What if I told you you could look, smell, and feel confident and get products made just for you that are guaranteed high quality, that are guaranteed good smelling, that are the right products? People are going to be impressed by you if you start using Hawthorne. Let me tell you about Hawthorne. All you have to do is go online and take Hawthorne's two-minute quiz, and they'll tailor the perfect cologne and shower products for you with 97% accuracy. It's science, okay? They ask you, like, what's your favorite drink? What's your hair type? Blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, they go, okay, here's exactly what you need. And you can trust them, because I did. And they sent me a big box that had shampoo and conditioner and deodorant and cologne. And all of a sudden, I walked out going, I was a fool to get married already. If I had had Hawthorne when I was single, my God, the popularity that I would have. Quite frankly, Hawthorne is so effective, it makes my wife insecure. She goes, Sam, I married you as a mess. Now you look like a model, okay? And you smell even better. I don't want you using this stuff anymore. But I tell Jess, Jess, I feel better about myself, I have more confidence, and quite frankly, people think I'm a better person. Because of all these Hawthorne products, I'm never going to stop. And guess what? I'm, I'm still going to be able to put the kids through college because I'm getting all this for half the price of luxury brands. It's incredible. They ship it right to your door. Try it for yourself. 
go to Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E, hawthorne.co, and use code NOTSAM. If you use code NOTSAM, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Give it a try. You won't regret it. You will be a new you. Hawthorne.co, code not Sam. And I mean, that's the thing that like you come and you, and you master strongman, but at the same time, wrestling is a completely different skill set. You're starting from scratch. I mean, you look great. You look like you could be a super intimidating, great wrestler, but there's been lots of big guys that have been colossal failures. So you've now got to put even more work in than you did before to figure out how to be a great superstar. Yeah, yeah without... And, 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 right, to be a superstar in the sense that you've got to be a representative of WWE. I mean, that's the bigger deal, that if you want to be at the level that you're at now, you know, Strongman doesn't have the kind of exposure that WWE has. You're going out across the world now and representing a, a global, publicly traded company. That's a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah and uh, I had no idea, like, how much was involved in this, getting into it. I thought, hell, I'm going to sign this million-dollar contract. I'm going to wrestle once a week on Mondays. I'm going <laughs> to fly out on jets like Ric Flair, and I'm going to have Rolexes and women everywhere and this and that. Boy, was I ever a rude awakening. <laughs> and then find out, like, oh, my God, we do this at least four days a week. We drive here or there, fly. I flew 720,000 miles last year doing this. I wrestled 192 matches. You did 192 yes. matches last year? Yes. Wow. <laughs> So it's just, man, it's just, it's crazy. But at the same time, I am so thankful that, like, this is my drug. I've gotten addicted to it. Like, I love it. I wake up in the morning, and I'm playing my day out around this. Like, this is my life. I am so ate up with it. Like, it's not even funny. Like, and I never, never knew that how much passion I would have for the industry, the business as a whole, the behind the scenes, what it takes to make this show work. Like, people don't understand how much is involved to shoot a live three-hour television show every week for the last 25 <laughs> years. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. It's unreal, and it's so stressful. <laughs> it is really stressful, but at the same time, like, those days when I get to work and I know I've got 900 segments and i got a 45-minute match and i got promos and all this stuff, at first I freak out and I'm like, ah! But at the end of the day, when I get it all done and I hit a freaking home run, man, there's not a better feeling in the world knowing, you know what, I thought I was going to fail. This sucked. Oh, my God. I take a step back and I go, man, I just hit a bomb. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and with your segments, too, it's like you're the one that it's not – when you have nine segments, right – it's not like it's just going to be a match and a promo. It's also going to be, and then you're going to flip an ambulance and it's going to knock over the set and you're going to throw somebody through it. And by the way, it all has to look real, not like a movie, because we're counting on your segment to make people go, oh, whoa, something's real happening here. And that's on, that's on you and whoever you're with. A lot of that stuff, man, we shoot it live. Yeah. So many of these stunts, like people are like, how long did it take to do I'm like, dude, they literally told me what they wanted. I walked through, brainstormed some ideas. We hit the camera and we just did it. I mean, the segment with you and Bobby Lashley a few weeks ago that I think got everybody talking, that was kind of the segment that made people feel like, oh, I think Raw's going in a different direction. That was, the, that was the, more so than any of the other segments you've done where there's been massive destruction. That was the segment, the way they shot it wide, that it was like, oh, this is for real. This is being treated seriously. This is something happened here. That was one of those segments, and I always talk about this. To me, when I think something's really working, it's when... 
somebody comes up to me that doesn't watch regularly and maybe watch during the Attitude Era or whatever and goes, oh, I heard about this thing. Like, this is crazy, huh? Like, they... they it was... Un- and it worked. It really did. Like, it was unbelievable the feedback I got from my fans. Like, because, like, when we did it, like, I ghost off social media, everything. And, and a lot of people know, like, my Instagram is me, goofy, six-year-old, giant Adam. Um, so I ghosted off of that and everything. And I had people so worried because I was just disappeared for two weeks that, like, I'm getting text messages from my family. Are you okay? My mom and dad, I smartened them up. They played into it and were telling the, my fans and people that I grew up with, like, I haven't heard from him. I know he's in the hospital. So, like, it was great, like, that we got so much mileage out of that little spot and, and exactly sparked that fire of, oh, my God, like, they're, they're, they're this is different. Yeah, this, this is different. This is like this is real. Like oh my, like that that wasn't supposed to happen. So many people are like freaking out, going that wasn't supposed to happen like that. That was an accident, and that's that's what I love about this business and industry is that it is my job to suspend your disbelief, to take you on this emotional roller coaster. When in the back of your mind, you know what we're doing isn't per se real, but we have those moments when you. It's all about those moments too. The moment when it just for one second go, that's real. Right. And then, or, or I'm not even thinking about Rio. Not I don't know. I'm lost in this though. Yeah. I'm lost in this moment. Yeah, that's that's what makes this so special. Yeah. Yeah. How did you end up speaking of your Instagram? How did you end up meeting W? Because I thought that was like the, I saw the picture of you and W together. I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. Just through friends and powers of beam, and ended up just going and meeting him and hanging out and uh, it was a really cool experience man he took me and showed me his art studio where he did all his painting man what an unbelievable like down to earth guy like and I don't get like starstruck and stuff like that but honestly like when I first spoke to him like I didn't know what to say I'm like I'm just like a dude and he used to be the president of like the free world and it's just like I, it's just one of those things that goes along with this this job, being a WWE superstar. It's just so many instances in life that this industry has given me and, and put in front of me and, and allotted me the opportunities to do, and it's just unreal. And it just goes to show, like, any given day, you never know who you're going to run into in this business. Yeah. yeah. He just seems like a guy, like, ever since, since he's been away from the White House for as long as he's been away and back into normal life, he just strikes me as a guy that would be a fun hang. Dude, and that's that's exactly how he came. He came off as just a good old boy that's yeah. like a, a country boy. like wants the Texas to, dude. Yeah, that's it. Like, it. Like, wants to help people out. Like, un, it was just so cool. Like, just sat down and was so personal and talked to me like like I would, was just a friend. Like, yeah. it was just, it was cool. It was a really, really cool experience. When you're in Strongman, especially when you're, like, going up in the levels, but you're not making money because, like you said, you can't eat trophies. How do you afford to eat? And I don't mean like how do you afford to eat the way how do I afford to eat. I mean, when you're in Strongman, you got to eat just incredible amounts of food. You got to keep putting calories in your body, and that ain't cheap. Yeah, so I I was lucky. uh, It was a struggle, man. For a long time, it was a struggle doing that. Like I... And I, I used to get hot. This is a, like a, a, taking a little side turn on this topic, but I used to get hot when I first came into the, to the business of wrestling, and people were like, "Oh, you haven't paid your dues," and da 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 da, and all this stuff. And it's it used to really tick me off because like they didn't know what I had been through to get to where I'm at, and everybody had done something. WWE just doesn't go out and hire people for no damn reason. Right. 
everybody's got a story. And it was just, I traveled literally around the world on my own dime, sleeping in my car, driving three hours each way on the weekends, working 70, 80 hour a week jobs, and then driving three hours on a Sunday morning to train strongman and then drive back because I didn't have any of the stuff. And then throughout the strongman building my, Equipment. I learned everything by watching YouTube videos. I watched, really? I watched the because you can't afford a trainer. Yeah, I didn't have a trainer. Like I got lucky. The guy uh, that owned the gym I trained at didn't charge me dues to go there. I ended up getting lucky. A butcher shop in Mooresville, North Carolina. I would get their stuff that was like getting close to like <laughs> it either had to be thrown away or whatever. They would freeze it and they would give it to me, and that's what I would eat. Wow. So yeah, and everything like straw man. Like I would watch. Zadrunas Zavikis, Marius Bujanowski, the greats, the best guys in the world, watch their training videos, their competition videos, and that's how I learned how to do strongman. I like in the back parking lot of the gym uh, with a welder welding up things to make apparatuses to do farmers walk with and yokes and making atlas stones by digging holes in the ground and burying a BOSU ball in it, and then popping it and filling it up with a concrete and then wow. digging it up. And it's just, yeah, I mean. I feel like I've taken the hard road to get anywhere in life, but I think that's why I'm so appreciative of everything. And that's just, I'm a firm believer in that. No one appreciates stuff that's given to them. Yeah. Like if someone hands you a million dollars, you're going to take it for granted. But if you go out and you bust your ass for 25 years, you earn a million dollars, you look at it a whole lot differently. Right. When you're sitting here now and going like, I'm in the main event of a pay-per-view, you're going, oh my God, like this is, I, this is why I did all of yeah. that. Like, And you don't even know sometimes when you're doing it, you don't know why you're doing it, but you know that there is some. You know you're doing it for something, right? For some purpose, yeah. yeah. I, I, for a long time, like uh, I just had some inclination in myself that I wasn't supposed to be a normal nine to five guy. There was something obviously can't other, fit in the door. Yeah, that's why. Other than my stature and stuff, of uh, physical attributes, like something in my mind knew I was supposed to do something bigger than that and I wholeheartedly believe I was put on this earth to be a WWE superstar I mean it seems like it obviously you fit in like a natural do you think we were talking about how many matches you had do you think that the what really put you over the edge because I mean the work that you've done maybe in the last like two years as compared to when you first got to the main roster because this is another thing that I think that people now because they take for granted that you're in the position that you're in I don't even think people really remember that you didn't even get a TV run in NXT. Like, you didn't come in with experience. When I debuted the night after SummerSlam in 2015, that was the eighth time I'd been in a wrestling ring for a match. It's crazy. Do you think that the repetition, like like doing 192 matches a year? Without a doubt. Uh, the big thing, and that that being put into positions to, to, to succeed. Vince... And I have had a very close relationship, and he has been hands-on with Braun Strowman since Braun Strowman was invented. And I'm one part of one of his brainchilds, and he loves my work ethic and what I do and how passionate I am about it, and that's why he continues to invest in me the way that he does. And it's just, it blows my mind, man, literally on a day-to-day, because talking like coming in, that's my eighth match and when I debuted I haven't been doing I haven't even been doing this for four years and look 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 what I've done in the short amount of time that we've been here and I'm very thankful for it I mean don't get me wrong like I've been put in positions and had opportunities that not necessarily everybody gets but everybody in this company 
whether they think they do, they want to complain, whatever, everyone gets an opportunity to do something. Yeah. It's what you do with it. Like a lot of people don't know, the only reason Vince McMahon ever knew who I was, ever saw me, was because I was a rosebud. That's the only. That's the only thing that he, how Vince saw me. He saw me. He goes, who is that? And why the is he doing that? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? It's like some people go like, oh, I shouldn't have been a rosebud. But the reality is that if you hadn't been a rosebud. He wouldn't have stopped you to say he shouldn't be doing that. He wouldn't have known who you were or what you were doing. That was the thing. Like, I, it was an opportunity they gave me, and I went full bore on it. I gave it everything that I had. I was over the top, and that's probably why it stuck out. And the crazy thing, like, it really dawned on me recently, talking while we're on the Rosebud gimmick talk, how many Rosebuds oh, are dude. just absolutely killing it right now in this industry. It's one of my favorite things to look back at pictures of the Rosebuds that you didn't even realize, and you see, like, Becky's there. There's you the see one picture that's got me, Carmella, Becky, Dana Brooke, Tucker Knight, Chad Gable. Simon Gotch was there. Gotch, I'm, yeah. th I'm thinking of people currently e on the WWE, roster that are yeah. making waves in WWE. Like, it's yeah. unreal. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yeah. Speaking of people you came up with that are making waves, are you happy to see kind of the twist that Bray has taken with his character and how well that's worked? Because I feel like that's one of those things. When Firefly, Firefly Funhouse came out in the first time, it's so different. People are going like, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Like, And if it's not going to work, it's probably it for Bray, right? And when it works as well as it has in every segment he's killed it, does that make you happy to see? Oh, without a doubt. Bray is one of my closest friends inside and out of the business. Uh, and it's great to have him back. I know he got in a pretty weird place for a while and wasn't happy with what was going on and character-wise, and he literally went to the drawing board and started from scratch. And I remember watching it, and, like, I didn't know it. Like, we went for a while without even talking. Like, he went so deep into this character. Like, he shut himself off from the world because, like, he put everything he had into this. And I remember, like, watching the first episodes of Firefly Funhouse, and the very first one I'm, like, watching, I'm like, what the hell is this? I'm like, Ray, what are you doing? <laughs> But then the more I watched, like, I couldn't turn away from it. It was so intriguing what he was doing. And then they started to bring the fiend out, and I was like, all right. Plus, like, like, uh, and then you start going, you notice, like, the little nuances in each character. You're like, wait, he's saying something. Like, he's talking about stuff here. It's unbelievable. And Bray's mind is just, he is so talented, just on all aspects of just this industry. Like, phenomenal in the ring. Probably the best damn guy on the microphone going, let's be for real. I mean, there's a lot of guys can talk, but you let Bray Wyatt have free reign and a, and a microphone, like, it's <laughs> it's hard to keep up with him. And then just his mind for the business and for entertainment and creativity, like, how, he thought of all this on his own. Yeah. And it's just like, it blows my mind, but at the same time, it's just, man, it's so good to have him back. Like he's so amazing and behind the scenes for morale in the locker room. He's a locker room leader. He's one of the top guys in the company, and it's good to have him back. And I mean, I'm so happy for him and JoJo. They just had their first boy, Nash, and I've been lucky. Uh, Bray asked me to be the godfather of that. And, oh, I mean, wow. so it's it's really cool, man, and it's it's awesome that he's back. And like, I'm really excited for him to get back on like the, the live events so we can start making towns again. Cause, man, <laughs> that that's I mean, he taught me the business. I, when I came in, I that was it. I drove Bray around, and he talked, and he taught me the business. He taught me how to book hotels. He taught me where to eat, how to do everything on the road because I had no idea. Yeah. And I for, for, forever will be indebted to that man. He's my brother. It's not bad to have a rotunda 
yeah. teaching you the ropes, right? Yeah, without a doubt. And that, that family, without a doubt, has done it for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's always good to, you know, and I feel like it does happen. If you just watch and you're patient, you can see talent has a way, right? Talent, just people who are talented and good enough and deserve it, it has a way of just getting to the top. And I feel like that's happening with Bray. I feel like it's happened with you and the work that you've put in. And, I mean, I think that that's something people can apply to every job. It's one of those things that I'm sure you've had moments of, of being frustrated and being oh, like, I'm, I'm out of here, like this yeah. isn't working, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, but you're like, Let me, this is a momentary frustration, let me think big picture here. And that, that's, that's the big thing, because I, I did, I got to a point where I got really, really frustrated with everything that was going on. I called Vince and I was like, Vince, what is going on? Like, I'm miserable. And he talked me off the ledge and was like, look, big man, he's like, I want you for the long haul. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. He's like, I care about what you're doing 10 years from now. He said, I've invested in you. He's like, you're one of my guys. And he's like, don't worry, you're fine. And just hearing that coming from that man, like, I don't know, like, it's just something like legitimately, I walked into the talent, or not to talent, to the production meeting one day, and I was like, all but like, I've had enough. And I just was mad about everything. He kicked everybody out of the production meeting. Like two hours before Raw was about to start, the show wasn't even done, and talked to me for 45 minutes. Like wow. heart-to-heart, man-to-man conversation. And it opened my eyes to the picture of like, wow, why am I worrying about this? Yeah, It's just the testament people Vince doesn't get the credit that is due to him and he's probably if he hears this he's gonna get pissed off that I'm saying his name <laughs> and, and putting him over but it's it's just him he is he's unbelievable he's an unbelievable man I'm very very fortunate to not only work from him for him but to call him a friend just out of curiosity as a fan what period of time was this that you were like what's going on um back right after rumble and stuff like February Oh, recently? Yeah, recently. Okay. Recently, okay. I started getting a little frustrated because I felt like they were dangling stuff yep. over my head yep, and kept totally. taking it away, and I was just like, what's the deal? What's right. going on here? Right. And he literally, right down the middle, shot straight with me and, like, maybe. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because from a fan perspective, I think you could you could feel where you were feeling at that point where it's like, oh, I think he's going to be the guy, and oh, wait, maybe he's not going to. But it's, yeah. it's what he said. It's like, just wait. Just for the long term, wait for the whole picture to show itself. Yeah, that's literally what he taught. Like taught like he's like it, it, everybody thinks he's lost contact or touch with the fans. He is so far ahead of what everybody knows is what's going on. It's not even funny. Like we're two years ahead of what you guys think we're at right now. I promise you. How did you feel when the brand split first happened? I feel like it's it's kind of what made you at least in the beginning is the run that you went on beating local guys. I thought that was great. It was old school. It like made you seem like a monster when you started beating them two at a time. I mean, it made James Ellsworth's whole career. Like, <laughs> like clearly, when the local guys are getting their careers made from it, it's working. But when that's happening for you, did you enjoy that period of time? Did you feel like you wanted to do more? Or did you get that this is making me look like a monster? And when we're on to the next step, whenever that is, it's going to be good. I, I, I'm constantly wanting more. Like yeah. I, I've literally have told the powers to be multiple times, like throw it all on my back. I'll carry this whole damn company if I have to. I I work better under pressure. So it's just uh, trying to just take it all in. Like it's one of those things. Like all this has happened so damn fast. Yeah. Like it literally is all but overnight. I went from 
Joe Blow changing tires at a garage in Cheryl Ford, North Carolina to globally known WWE superstars. Yeah. So it's just, it's one of those things like, I feel like I'm in a dream and one of these days I'm going to have to wake up. But I like that you can tell that you're true to yourself because the camo Crocs haven't changed. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, you can take the boy out of Dixie, but you can't take the Dixie out the boy. And guess what? When you look like Braun Strowman, nobody makes fun of you for wearing camo Crocs. Is that right? No, and it's it's so hilarious, like, how many people compliment or not even compliment or just comment on it. Like, if I post a picture and I'm just wearing Crocs, there's just hundreds of comments. Like, I, I can't believe you wear Crocs. It's so great. You should have a deal with them. I'm trying to. So, Crocs, if you're watching this, let's get an endorsement deal. Let's make some monster Crocs. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, uh, who's I think Post Malone came out with his own Crocs. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't, you don't think wrestling fans would buy Braun Strowman Crocs? Probably the first pair of Crocs I would ever own. Socks. <laughs> so why not Crocs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. And they'd wear they'd wear Crocs with the Braun Strowman socks coming out. It'd be it, it'd be a look. Yeah, it'd be a look. For doubt. I, I I don't do socks and Crocs unless it's really cold outside. And if you ever see them in four wheel drive, watch out because something bad's going on. Well, I feel like when you got ankles and feet that size, you probably try to avoid socks as often as possible. It seems like they'd be far more constraining for you than the average person. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what it's like. To, I, I buy my socks at Walmart. <laughs> Everybody thinks that, I, I don't know, I'm still a redneck. Right. <laughs> well, good for you. I think that's why people like you so much. Uh, Ron Strowman, I mean, always good to talk to you, man. So fun to watch you do your thing, and uh, congrats on everything, dude. Thank you, sir. Hey, we'll get back to it in a minute. I hear you guys. I know you guys are getting tired of all these ads on Not Sam Wrestling, but the, the fact is, it's how they're keeping the podcast alive. If you want to keep the podcast alive and you don't want to deal with the ads every single week, then you got to sign up to Patreon. You got to become a Not Sam shill at patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling for less than a dollar a week. You can get the podcast completely ad free and early every single week. Not only that, but you're going to get bonus audio episodes. For a little bit more cash, you're going to get everything on video, state of wrestling, live, interviews, early. For a little more than that, you're going to get to be a part of all of our live shows, post shows from pay-per-views, everything you can think of. It's all happening at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. For a little more money, you're going to have access to exclusive merchandise and free tickets to every Not Sam Wrestling live show, including the one coming up at Caroline's on Broadway in New York City on September 18th. Look, people love it. If you go into, you'll get access to the Discord room on any level of Not Sam Sheldon. For less than a dollar a week, you can have access to our Discord server where people are in there talking about wrestling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You won't regret it, and it'll make your life simpler. Become a Not Sam Shill at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, it's time. State of Wrestling time. Hello, everybody. It's the segment that we wait for each and every week. It's the State of Wrestling, the top five stories in the world of sports entertainment, broken down and brought to you, and in the opinion of yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Of course, if you want to watch video of this segment, the only way to see the State of Wrestling on video every week is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Wrestling. Become a Not Sam Shill today. So, as if you needed any more reason to do that, I feel like these King of the Ring brackets uh, and the way they've been working out so far, and it may not go this way the entire time, because I see several different ways that this could go. But so far, 
the King of the Ring brackets are pretty in line with what I figured they would be and what I said they would be on the podcast. Let's not forget. And I don't get enough credit for this, I don't think. But I, I predicted the King of the Ring last week, and I did it uh, without the matches being announced. When I did my brackets last week, and they've been doing in the, uh, in, speaking of the Patreon kids, in the Discord server that we have set up for all any of the Not Sam shills, no matter what level you're at, there is a King of the Ring pick'em going on. And uh, people keeping track of who's doing better and who's doing worse and whatnot. It's a lot of fun as everybody watches these qualifying matches. But I picked my matches. The first round matches were not announced. And I got the entire SmackDown side exactly correct. In not only the matches, but the match order, I got exactly correct. And I think I went like, I might have gone one out of four or two out of four on the Raw side. But it was close either way. I mean, I got way more than half of the matches right. And it looks as though, so what we saw on Raw, we saw Cesaro lose to Samoa Joe. I can't believe how many of you guys thought Cesaro was going to win. Why would Cesaro win? I'm not saying, like, I get that you might have wanted Cesaro to win because you're a Cesaro fan, but Cesaro hasn't had anything going on. And maybe you thought, well, that's why he should win because he hasn't had anything going on. But you're looking at Samoa Joe, who's just starting to transition over to being a good guy. Just starting with that Roman Reigns thing. And we actually brought that up in the uh, bonus interview that I did with him last week here on the podcast. But just starting to kind of veer off into good guy territory and trying to maintain his spot in that uh, main event world title level space. Not that he's going to be wrestling for the WWE Championship or Universal Championship anytime soon, but that at any moment he could be thrown into it and that's kind of where he's associated. I I can't imagine that he would lose to uh, Cesaro. So that match I, I 100% knew Samoa Joe was going to win, and I was right. Uh, Cedric Alexander and Sami Zayn, not the match that I had picked. Uh, I think I had Miz and Sami Zayn, and maybe Cedric and Baron Corbin. But when it came down to Cedric Alexander and Sami Zayn, not surprised that Sami Zayn lost uh, based on where he's at and where Cedric Alexander is at. So, uh, but I, and I, I like that, I like what Sami Zayn, the follow up on SmackDown. Him being a mouthpiece for Nakamura, I think, is interesting and could be good for both of them. And I actually liked the thing that they did on on Twitter and on WWE.com where they showed him kind of freaking out after he lost that match because at least it's an acknowledgement that this is happening. At least it's not sitting there going like, well, of course Sami Zayn lost to Cedric Alexander. That feeling that we all have, there are a lot of us out there that have this feeling of, Sami Zayn is so good. He's so good in the ring. He's so good on the mic. He's so good at at explaining who his character is. When he was in NXT as like a super, super good guy. So good. Believable. When he was on the main roster as a good guy. So good. Believable. When he was fighting with Kevin Owens. So good. Believable. Against Kevin Owens. So good. Believable. You know, teaming or against. Um... And then coming back most recently and being this guy who is the critic of the critics, so good, believable. He really just doesn't fail, Sami Zayn. So I thought that having him freak out on the show and then finding a spot for himself on SmackDown the next night is kind of an acknowledgement to fans that at least 
the WWE is aware and they see what what we see, if that makes sense. Um, over on SmackDown, uh, Apollo versus Andrade. I don't know one person that had Apollo in their bracket. Uh, just like I thought, you know, Andrade goes forward. And then Kevin Owens versus Elias. Like, so, and again, I think this might have been wishful thinking. So many people I saw had Kevin Owens not only beating Elias, but going all the way to the finals and maybe even becoming king of the ring. And I'm going, no. I mean, why would you put Kevin Owens against Shane McMahon's guy in the first round of the tournament, a guy that you know he can beat. We know Kevin Owens can beat Elias. He's got Elias in the first round. He's in a rivalry with Shane McMahon. Elias is Shane McMahon's guy. On what planet is Kevin Owens the favorite going into that situation? I mean, and then, you know, I thought that, you know, first of all, I tweeted, I don't know why Kevin Owens, instead of groveling, he should have just started a GoFundMe page. I'm sure there's enough people out there, that enough fans that would throw him a couple hundred bucks to pay off his mortgage if he needed it that badly. But when Shane McMahon said, okay, I'll drop the fine, but if you put your hands on an official, you're going to get fired. And Kevin Owens was like, okay, deal. I was like, okay, well, we just solidified that Shane McMahon is coming out in a referee shirt, period, done. I should watch some of this stuff with you guys and explain to you exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that went exactly how I thought it was going to go with Elias winning. Uh, I don't think Elias makes it past the second round. Though. Look, I think, so So let's look at, at, at the matches we have left, okay? I'm still sticking with my bracket, by the way. I'm not changing that. But we'll just talk about possibilities. I'm, I'm, I'm sticking good guy versus bad guy on all of these. So I think Drew McIntyre beats Ricochet, and we end up with Drew McIntyre versus Samoa Joe. I think Baron Corbin beats The Miz, and we end up with Baron Corbin versus Cedric Alexander. Anybody who thinks The Miz is going to beat Baron Corbin? I saw people saying The Miz is going to be the king of the ring. The Miz hasn't won a single important match since he became a good guy. The last time The Miz won an important match was the Royal Rumble when he won the tag titles with Shane. Everything since the Royal Rumble, every important match... The Miz has lost. All of them. Lost to Shane McMahon twice. Miz came out the loser of that rivalry with Shane. And I guess he beat Dolph Ziggler on Raw, but everybody's beaten Dolph Ziggler, and it was after Miz gave up his SummerSlam spot. So I don't even know how you can look at the Miz there. The Miz still felt like a loser to me after he beat Dolph Ziggler because he could have had that happen at SummerSlam. And instead, it happened on Raw, and the only reason it didn't happen on SummerSlam was because he just stepped aside and let Goldberg have the spot. Insanity. Crazy. That's why on the SummerSlam kickoff show, I called him a goof, because it doesn't make any sense. But that's why I don't think Miz would beat Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin is the one that is sitting here getting repackaged out of everybody in this tournament. Baron Corbin's the one that is just coming off of being off of TV for a month. There's a reason why that was done, I, in my opinion. You know, if we just, the, the, the reason is that Baron Corbin, obviously, they wanted to give it a breath and reshape the character. He's coming off of, you know, Universal Championship losses to Seth Rollins. So what are we going to do with this character? Oh, I know. Let's make him the king. 
In my when I saw who was in this tournament, as I said last week, I believe the King of the Ring tournament is only being done. Number one, to get everybody to October. But number two, the whole exercise is an exercise for Baron Corbin, in my opinion. Maybe it goes differently, but in my opinion, that's it. So Baron Corbin obviously beats the Miz. Next week on SmackDown, I've got uh I've got Ali beating Buddy Murphy. I think there's a really good chance that Buddy Murphy's gonna beat Ali based on you know, where we're at with Buddy Murphy. And we'll talk about Buddy Murphy uh, and his appearance on SmackDown later. Uh, but I think, honestly, Buddy Murphy's in a spot similar to Ali. And really, Ali was never able to realize or hasn't yet been able to realize his own potential. Ali was in that Buddy Murphy spot for a period of time where it was like you got this super talented guy and then he starts to get some wins and really gets the push on SmackDown. But he hasn't gotten it back since he went down with the injury right before Elimination Chamber. You know, there have been close calls. There was the story with Nakamura that was just kind of dropped, but I really think Ali should beat Buddy Murphy. And then you got Gable versus Benjamin, you know, calling the guy short. The fact that Andrade has already advanced against Apollo, I would say Chad Gable wins that one. You've now got uh, Elias versus Ali. I would have Ali beat Elias, roll him up or something like that. You've got Andrade versus Chad Gable. I would have Andrade versus Ali as your SmackDown finals. Corbin versus Cedric Alexander. I think people would go into that thinking Cedric Alexander is going to win. Make it look like Cedric Alexander is going to win. And then at the end of the day, Baron Corbin gets that heat by beating the favorite. And Baron Corbin advances. Uh, And I think Samoa Joe actually gets a pin over Drew McIntyre. Who not many people have gotten pins over, by the way. But I think Samoa Joe gets the victory over Drew McIntyre clean. So now it starts to look like Samoa Joe is going to win. And you've got Corbin versus Joe in the Raw final. And we're back to where I said we were going to be. Now look, you could have Cedric Alexander beat Baron Corbin. And then have Drew McIntyre beat Samoa Joe. And have Cedric versus Drew with Cedric going. But realistically speaking, people who think Drew is going to win the King of the Ring tournament on the Raw side... Who on the SmackDown side would he face? Ali? Chad Gable? They're not going to have Drew McIntyre versus Andrade in the finals. I mean, I guess they might, but it wouldn't make any sense. It's like two of the top bad guys fighting each other. You know, why would you go to Clash of Champions and have Andrade versus Drew McIntyre? Two bad guys battling for the King of the Ring crown. I think the way the King of the Ring works is you have one big bad heel versus a good guy underdog or somebody that you didn't think was going to be there. I think Samoa Joe works for that. Cedric Alexander fits that mold. And so does Ali. Which is why I think that, you know, Ali beats Andrade to shock the world. And then you go forward going, oh my God, I think Ali is going to shock the world only to lose to Baron Corbin. Okay, so I'm still sticking by my brackets, but I see the various directions where that could go in, uh, depending on on where we go with uh, with the rest of the tournament on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, story number four is what they did on Raw in the first couple segments with Jerry the King Lawler. Um, you know, Corey Graves on vacation this week. Jerry Lawler is doing commentary. And I was surprised because it's been a long time since they had Jerry Lawler do an entire show. He's come in to do matches, whether it's on... Raw Reunion, WrestleMania, you know, he he pops in here and there. 
But to do an entire three-hour Raw, I was surprised. Now, I thought Jerry sounded really good in those first couple segments that he was doing commentary, and I thought he, he seemed like uh, he hadn't missed a step, quite frankly. I thought he sounded great. And then he does King's Court with Sasha Banks, and I swear I didn't think anything of it, especially because like you go online and you keep reading. Like We've already read that. Everybody needs to stop reporting that WWE doesn't want to show The Fiend on TV because it's too scary. What are you talking about? Like, there are trailers for horror movies on Raw. They used to run commercials for the Purge series during Raw. Why would the... What about The Fiend is too scary for Monday Night Television? It's insane. So, you know, and, and, and every time that theory has been brought up, it's been proven wrong. You know, that theory was brought up when it was still a Firefly Funhouse. That theory was brought up when The Fiend hadn't debuted yet. Now it was brought up again this week. They said the reason The Fiend hadn't been on TV after SummerSlam was because they thought it was too much for television. Oh, really? Because it's weird. It wasn't the Firefly Funhouse on Raw this week. It was The Fiend. But you never hear any of the people that report. Like, you read reports, The Fiend is not going to be on TV because it's too scary. And then The Fiend is on TV and nobody retracts anything. They just go business as usual. Nobody that said that goes, oh, you know what happened? You know what I mean? It's dumb. So I'm not pointing anybody out individually because I don't remember who said it to tell you the truth, but I remember it was said a bunch. But I loved the look. And I know that I, I know Jerry Lawler loved it because Jerry Lawler is a huge horror movie, monster movie fan. So I'm sure that he was thrilled to be in that segment where the camera shot was on Lawler and then right behind his head, you just saw that monster, the fiend, coming from behind him. I think it's genius to give the fiend the mandible claw as a finish because he can do it to absolutely anybody. Like Jerry Lawler, he probably would because he's so ballsy, but he probably shouldn't take his sister Abigail on the stage. And also giving him the mandible claw instead of the sister Abigail separates the fiend from the old Bray Wyatt character. Okay. So I, I think that that's really good too. Um, I do, however, think, and I don't think that it's because, oh, they can't show a man in a scary mask on television. Uh, I think that just because it's good TV, you know, I think there is room for Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt to still be on Raw. You know, I think, uh, I have my own Wyatt Jim t-shirt. You know, I all I still want to see the Bray Wyatt that does the muscle man dance and plays with puppets and does that whole thing. And honestly, I think that you could have that Bray Wyatt be in, in the ring, theoretically. But even if it's just in pre-tapes, I still think that there's room for Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt and then have The Fiend come out for the matches, maybe. Um, but yeah, and I like his Twitter gimmick where he's apologizing for everything. Um... I just think the whole thing is well thought out and, and cool. But I, I really enjoyed that. And it was actually a really creative way to get young Vic Joseph behind the microphone for Raw. So, and they did it pretty seamlessly. You know, the thing, and I saw people on Twitter going like, uh, replace Corey Graves with Vic Joseph. Well, Vic Joseph is a play-by-play -play and Corey Graves is a color commentator. So you wouldn't replace a color commentator with a play-by-play -play guy, what they did seamlessly, and this is also how good Michael Cole is, that I think a lot of people may not have even picked up on the fact that it was happening. So when they start the show, you have uh, Michael Cole play-by-play, -play, 
Renee Young analysis, Jerry Lawler color commentary. And then what happens to Jerry Lawler happens to Jerry Lawler with The Fiend. You have Vic Joseph come out, sits in Lawler's seat. Michael Cole introduces him as the voice of Raw. Not saying that he's the voice of Raw. I'm saying Michael Cole is the voice of Raw. Introduces Vic Joseph. And seamlessly in the show... They just made it so Vic started doing more of the play-by-play and more of the traffic and the, and more of the throw-to-breaks. And Michael Cole is so versatile behind that table that he was able to, without any effort and without ever tipping his hat to it, transfer over to that color commentary role. You know, and if you listen to Michael Cole, the stuff he was saying when Jerry Lawler is at the table is completely different than the stuff he was saying when Vic Joseph was at the table. Because Michael Cole took a back seat, allowed Vic Joseph to do the play-by-play. Vic Joseph became the play-by-play person. Renee Young, I thought, felt fresh and new because now she was doing analysis for a new play-by-play guy and a new color commentator because Michael Cole, who we know can do color commentary based on his work as a heel and the stuff he did on SmackDown a couple weeks ago, Michael Cole now becomes a, a color commentator. And I thought Michael Cole did great. I thought Vic Joseph was phenomenal. You know, this is one of those things where you get this opportunity and who knows what's going to come of it because he really nailed it. He really made the most of it. Uh, and I thought he was really, really good behind that microphone. He's very tall. You know, they go to those on cams, very tall. You know, I feel like I, I, I would look like a mouse of a man next to Vic Joseph. And he's not even a big muscle man. He's just very tall. But very good on color com- on play-by-play. And very good, uh, very interesting to hear a new voice doing play-by-play on Raw. You know, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with all the commentators and everything once October hits. I would imagine that that'll get shaken up too because everything that I've read feels like they want to separate Raw and SmackDown completely. And I would think that that would include the commentators as well. Uh, story number three went down on SmackDown this week, and that's where we get back to Buddy Murphy because it's a two-parter. It's really everything. SmackDown was the Daniel Bryan show this week. And Daniel Bryan, in the role that he's in right now, is the most underrated performer in WWE. And he gets a lot of credit, but he deserves even more, okay? This is a guy who, at a period of time, was the most beloved superstar in the company the most beloved wrestler on the roster. He was able to, and he went away. He was taken away from all of us too soon. We weren't ready for him to go. All we wanted was to see Daniel Bryan back. Then we learned his, his, his sympathetic story of a guy who had a dream that had it taken away. So you had even more sympathy and more love for this guy. Then he's able to turn heel and become this environmentalist and 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 have everybody buy into it and boo him and really become a heel. And now he's not even focusing on the environmentalist stuff. He's not even focusing on the championship or anything anymore. Now he's just this crazy lunatic bad guy, like mad scientist supervillain dude with Eric Rowan by his side. And I just love watching all this happen, man. I love the, the, the buildup. I love how seriously he takes everything. I love how seriously he makes you take everything. And then he gets in the ring 
And he's like a still a once in a lifetime performer who gets in there. And I thought on SmackDown last week, Roman Reigns was very unselfish. Roman Reigns deserves to be commended in a huge way for what he did for Buddy Murphy last week by letting Buddy Murphy look as strong as he did. To follow it up this week with Daniel Bryan doing the same thing, and not only that, but letting Buddy Murphy get the clean pin on him, man, number one, it shows the amount of respect that these guys have for Buddy Murphy. But number two, you know, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns put Buddy Murphy on another level last week. Daniel Bryan bumped him up a few notches this week. And then to have him able to come off that loss and still have that presence where when he's face-to-face with Roman Reigns, you still are looking at this like a main event match. There's nothing in you when we finally get to Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, and I love how they're stretching this out. I love how they're stretching it out. When we finally get to Daniel Bryan versus Roman Reigns, nobody's going to be sitting there going, Daniel Bryan lost to Buddy Murphy. He's not going to beat Roman Reigns. They're going to be sitting there going, both these guys had very memorable, highly competitive matches with Buddy Murphy. And at no point can you ever count out Daniel Bryan. I thought the reveal was funny. You know, look, you go back and you look at the WWE reports, even though, of course, everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people when WWE was writing, like uh, it was a forklift operator. uh, It was a, a, a temp. It was just an accident. People are going, this is WWE trying to write themselves out of a bad angle. Oh, they're trying to write themselves out of a bad angle. You idiot. Give it a minute. Be patient. Give it a second. Trying to write themselves out of a bad angle. They got a guy with a big red beard who looks like Eric Rowan, but he also looks like he might be a forklift operator. He literally fits the description that was reported on WWE.com and on WWE's Twitter account weeks ago. When a bunch of you nudniks were sitting there going, oh, they're writing themselves out of a bad angle. You don't know what you're talking about. You could maybe say, I think they might be. You could maybe say, I wonder if. But it drives me crazy looking at people on Twitter, and it really shouldn't. I should just delete Twitter off my phone altogether because it doesn't, it just gives me agita. It drives me nuts. But to see people make these declarative statements, okay, about stuff like this, drives me up the wall. This is, say what you want about the rest of the show, I guess, but Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, who tried to hit him, Roman Reigns with the car and dump the set on him, that whole, this whole story, like I said from the beginning, I like this stuff, okay? You can criticize the actual event itself and the way it was shot and everything, but this stuff always ends up being good stories, except when Rikishi shows up and he goes, I did it. For the rock. Or when Vince McMahon shows up and he goes, It was me, Austin. It was me all along. But generally speaking, this stuff is good stories. And the Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns story that's happening right now on SmackDown, to couple that with the Shane McMahon Kevin Owens story, couple that with what's going on on Raw, is one of the key things that is making Raw and SmackDown good TV right now. The Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan story is good, compelling TV. And so all you dopey jamokes who were sitting there going like, I don't even think the set really fell on him. This is stupid. If you had just given it a second and stopped being the immediate 
I'm a wrestling fan, so I need to criticize this today, right now. Instead of going like, oh, that's kind of hilarious what happened. That's so wacky. Let's see where they're going with this. The people who did that, I respect you. The people who were like, that sucks, and WWE is now going to write themselves out of a bad angle. Just admit you were wrong and stop doing it. Stop making those, just stop. Ah, whatever. Whatever, I digress. Um, but yeah, I, so, you know, I thought it was a little anticlimactic in the sense that it wasn't a superstar under the thing. It was like a, a scared tech guy who had a big Eric Rowan beard. But it did start to make sense because if it was a superstar that was, you know, trapped under a bed sheet for two hours just because Eric Rowan was scaring him, that superstar isn't going to look so tough, you know, the next time he's in the ring. So it probably is for the better. Um, and, you know, clearly this guy's a patsy and it's going to lead to something between him. And again, I hope this goes exactly how I said it was going to go. Go back a few weeks. I said I wanted it to be teased that it's Samoa Joe. And then you find out maybe it was Eric Rowan, and then you find out it was Daniel Bryan. I hope this leads to an Eric Rowan-Roman Reigns match at Clash of Champions, and then to a Daniel Bryan-Roman Reigns match at Hell in a Cell. Inside of Hell in a Cell would be amazing to keep Eric Rowan out. You know, I, that's the way I would do it. I think it'd be awesome. We'll be back to that in a second, but first I want to talk to you about one of the fine companies that are keeping this show afloat. I'm talking about Monday.com. Monday.com is a team management tool that's going to improve your office workflow. It makes it easy to track projects. It makes it easy to stay productive instead of emails, spreadsheets, random files, whiteboards, to-do lists, post-it note reminders. <gasps> Monday.com organizes all of it and tracks everything in one simple place. Hey, it's intuitive because it takes no time to set up. It's flexible to, so you can make it do whatever it is that you need monday.com to do. It's easy to stay organized and find files instead of having to search through different email accounts and find everything that you need. It becomes a nightmare, okay? Monday.com organizes everything in one place so you're not wasting time searching for the things that you need. You can also stop wasting time with accountability problems, okay? You don't have to sit around asking someone to do something and never getting a response, trying to figure out if they're working on it. Maybe they never got the email. Doesn't matter. How often are important tasks getting lost in the shuffle? It's never going to happen again. Because with Monday.com, you can easily assign tasks to coworkers and track projects. The platform is suitable for any size team. It could be two freelance workers. It could be me and Hot Dog trying to figure things out. Or it could be thousands collaborating across the globe on one goal. So check out Monday.com. This is the incredible team management tool. Hey, Monday.com is so effective, it's going to put an end to boring meetings. No more endless meetings trying to figure out new tactics for staying organized or who's doing what. Monday.com does it all for you. That's why I'm recommending it. Monday.com. And if you go to Monday.com slash not Sam, you're going to be able to try this thing for free for 14 days. No commitment. You can check out Monday.com and see for yourself how helpful their software is. One more time, that is Monday.com slash not Sam for a free 14-day trial. And make sure you use that exact link. Because if you're using my link, there's going to be additional savings if you choose to sign up. Monday.com slash not Sam. Story number two, new tag team champions of the world, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman. Of course, I'm always upset to see my boys, the Good Brothers, lose. 
you know, it was fun to see them as tag champs. But, you know, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think that uh, the OC has a pretty nice spot on Raw right now. So I think Gallows and Anderson are still going to be in that conversation of top teams. Um, but you go, I wonder where this is going to go. You know, I don't, I don't mind when they take the tag titles and they mix them up with the uh, singles titles. I, I, some people don't like it. And I don't, I get it if you don't like it. But like, you know, I guess I just don't, I, I know you want the tag title strengthened and I totally get that. I don't know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I also don't mind having the tag titles used to start to tell a story. And I think these tag titles are going to be used to tell this Braun Strowman, Seth Rollins story. You know, uh, I think, so I'm thinking about, you know, what happens here? Clash of the Champions is coming up in a few weeks, right? So far, the only matches we know, I think the King of the Ring finals happen at Clash of Champions. I think that time's out, right? And Bailey is defending the SmackDown Championship against Charlotte, which I think is a good match. So, and it gives those women, it gives Bailey a real opportunity to, to have a performance that is memorable which I think she could use. Um, and I think she's capable of it too. So what do you do in the meantime with the main events and everything? You know, I don't think there's really a champion lined up for Seth Rollins. You know, a lot of the Seth Rollins story, he's not going to fight Baron Corbin again. Plus, if you follow my brackets, Baron Corbin's going to be in the King of the Ring finals anyway. And I don't think they're going to have AJ Styles do and Seth Rollins because AJ Styles is the U.S. champion, so you know I I don't think they're going to do a two for one there. Maybe they are though. Um, but what I would do, you could do a thing where you have either six man tags. I love what they've been doing with the with the teams of three. By the way, I love Randy Orton with the with the revival. I think it's a perfect combination. I love the revival. Love Randy Orton. They fit together. It makes sense. I, I think it's great. Um, so if Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins got a third and they did the OC versus Braun, Seth, and whoever the third person is, Cedric Alexander maybe by that time, you know, it could be interesting, but it would, f with all the titles on the line, whereas, you know, if, if Team Seth wins, Cedric gets the U.S. title if Team OC wins. AJ Styles gets the Universal title and the United States title, and Gallows and Anderson get their tag titles back. You could see that happen. I wouldn't be shocked. What I would really like to see happen, what I think would be the most interesting, is if somebody got into... So is if we get a tag title match happen at the pay-per-view. And it's, you know, maybe it's the OC, maybe it's Gallows and Anderson versus Rollins and Braun. At Clash of Champions, every title has to be on the line. And then, I would love to see AJ get into Braun Strowman's head a little bit. And say, Braun, like, you know what Seth is doing to you, right? You know that Seth is threatened by you, and that's why he's turning you into his partner. You know this is what's going on, right? Seth... Clash of Champions, every title is on the line, and now Seth doesn't have to defend the Universal title because he's defending the tag titles. He certainly doesn't have to defend against you, does he? And get into to, to, to Braun's head. Braun starts to campaign. I want to see Seth and Braun 
defend the tag titles and compete in the main event at Clash of Champions. Now, maybe you love that, maybe you don't. But I think it'd be awesome. If you have earlier in the show, Seth and Rollins defend the tag titles. And maybe you even do a thing where you have Seth and Braun, I think I said Seth and Rollins, Seth and Braun lose the tag titles to Gallows and Anderson. And that's because Braun helps Gallows and Anderson beat up Seth or whatever it is. You know what I mean? He's not there for the tag. He lets them put the beat down on him because he wants a vulnerable Seth Rollins. So you can tell that same Brock Lesnar story again. Now Seth Rollins is beaten and bloodied and he's got to go into this Universal Championship match on that same night and defend against the Monster Among Men and Seth Rollins with no low blows. Never again have a good guy do a low blow. Heroes don't kick people in the dick. Period. Ever. It doesn't happen. So no low blows, but have Seth Rollins where there's a will, there's a way. Find a way to get one over on Braun Strowman. And then maybe you even continue that and do a Braun Strowman-Seth Rollins Hell in a Cell match for the Universal Championship. But that's what I want to see. Seth versus Braun for the Universal Champion. Seth and Braun defend the tag title on the same pay-per-view. And... You don't have a clear picture of where Braun Strowman's head is at. No, like Braun Strowman doesn't turn heel while they're still a tag team. Braun Strowman doesn't really turn until you get to the pay-per-view. And then you're there, you know. You're thinking, oh, they'll be the tag team champions, Seth and Braun, that get along well. They'll just have a very sportsman-like battle for the universal title at the end of the pay-per-view, except Braun turns heel. I think it'd be cool to have Seth and Braun do both and really kind of elevate them as well as if you need them to be elevated more. But I just think it'd be cool. Uh, Story number one. I already spoiled what this was. Even if I hadn't spoiled, I don't see how you could argue that this is anything but story number one. And that is, as of September 18th, 2019, 8 p.m. Wednesday night, NXT is on the USA Network. There's a couple of things at play here. Here's one thing that I thought. I don't know if it's the first thing I thought. It's one thing that I thought. Uh, Of course, this is a move that has something to do with AEW being on TNT. It's got to, okay? NXT is not moving nights. So this narrative that NXT is moving nights to compete with AEW, that's not true. NXT has always been on Wednesdays. But NXT has not always been live. NXT has not always been two hours. And NXT has not always been on basic cable. Uh, A one-hour pre-taped show on the WWE Network airing at 8 o'clock is not exactly head-to-head competition for a live two-hour show on TNT. A pre-taped show that's an hour airing on the network, I think most people who watch NXT, some watch it live, but I would imagine that most people, you watch it when you watch it. For me, I watch a couple of NXTs at a time. I don't watch them live. Um, now, I'm going to. What I don't think is fair is for people to take away the accomplishment and chalk it up to, oh, it's just a move to compete with AEW. Because it's not just a move to compete with AEW. It is a move that competes with AEW. But that's not the only reason it's happening. If NXT hadn't put on a product that deserved to be 
on broadcast cable, they wouldn't be on broadcast cable. Vince McMahon would have come up with something else if he really wanted to uh, to put on a competing show. He would have come up with something else. That would have happened. But NXT deserves to be in the spot that they're in. And I think before you get into Wednesday Night Wars, before you get into AEW, before you get into any of it, you have to take a second and applaud the accomplishments of everybody involved with NXT. That's the roster, that's the crew, that's the ev- everybody. Triple H, everybody that's come through NXT that's built that foundation, and all the guys that, and girls that have come on since that have built and built and built that brand. Because at the end of the day, nobody's sitting there going, the NXT that's, there's plenty of people speculating. But if I go to you and say, the NXT that's, if, if Triple H stays in charge of NXT completely, the same guy that's been in charge of NXT this whole time, same guy that's been in charge of all those takeovers, same guy that's been in charge of week to week on the network. If Triple H stays in charge of NXT with his crew, and it's on two hours Every Wednesday night on USA, are you excited? The answer is, I'm out of my mind. Out of my mind, okay? In a vacuum, this is incredible. It's incredible for fans. It's an incredible accomplishment. And it's going to be an incredible wrestling show. The fact that it's going to be on the same time as AEW and the Wednesday Night Wars is a thing, to me, it's even more exciting. I always thought, from the from AEW first launching, right? From that first pay-per-view, uh, Double or Nothing. I said, this is not something that you have to look at and say, oh, is this on the same level as WrestleMania? To me, I'm like, look, whether they, whatever they say about trying to cater to the casual fan, they're catering to a hardcore wrestling fan. And maybe there are casual fans that like the stuff that is directed to hardcore fans. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a little bit more serious. But they're catering to real wrestling fans, not sort of mainstream fringe fans. So to me, the accomplishment that AEW needs is to consistently put on pay-per-views that are better than takeovers. Because to me, takeover shows are the best wrestling shows in the world right now and have been for the last two years at least. There's no... Nobody is putting on better shows than takeovers. And to me, you talk about, like somebody tweeted me and he said, is AEW the next ECW? Absolutely not. No. If anything has a following like ECW, the only thing that's even sort of reminded me of ECW since ECW went away, quite frankly, is NXT. AEW is in a position where they are set up for some degree of success, right? They've got a big financial backer. They've got a network behind them. This is the main product. NXT is not that. NXT is backed by WWE. The billionaire backs NXT 100%. NXT is able to put on these shows and not turn a profit 100%. Nobody else gets that luxury. But NXT is not supposed to, was never supposed to be this mainstream. Even when they started doing uh, uh, arenas, when they wanted to uh, do a show at the Barclays Center, take over Brooklyn One, the plan was to black out everything in the arena except for 5,000 seats. They were hoping to maybe sell 5,000 seats in an arena that seats like 13,000 or something like that. They sold out the entire arena, the whole thing, okay? 
takeovers were not designed to be the best shows in wrestling. Takeovers, NXT TV and takeover and the whole thing was designed to just be a platform where superstars could get used to performing up to WWE standards. They could make it so that when you got to the main roster, it didn't feel foreign. When you get to Raw and SmackDown, you go, oh yeah, this is like the upscale version of what was happening in NXT. The signings of, in my opinion, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and Samoa Joe changed everything for NXT, especially Samoa Joe, because Samoa Joe was the first signing where we're not even repackaging him and we don't have any plans to bring him to the main roster. We're just going to have him because we're going to start making NXT a touring brand. NXT wasn't even supposed to be a touring brand. They were supposed to run live shows in Florida, which they still do, but now they tour across the country and they and, and across the world. They have global events. So you've got to give full credit to what NXT has done here. Regardless of that, that's the number one thing. But think about it at least for a period of time in a vacuum and give NXT the credit that it deserves to be in the position that it's in. Somebody in the Discord room for the uh, Not Sam Shells was asking about storylines, okay? When NXT September 18th comes to the USA Network, do we scrap all the NXT storylines because we're introducing NXT to a wide audience? I don't think so. I think that... Uh, there will be a lot of elements put in place to familiarize an audience that has never seen NXT before with what it is, because you have to be realistic about that. If you're going to put NXT on the USA Network, you're going to be showing it to a lot of people that have never seen the product before. That's just the facts. You hope that that's going to happen. If you're not exposing the product to a lot of people that have never seen it before, your numbers are going to be limited. So... I, I think that they are going to have to spend a lot of time explaining who people are through commentary, through video packages. By the way, Mauro Ranallo, Beth Phoenix, Nigel McGuinness, three, three of not only three great commentators, but just three great human beings. Like, three people that I can sit there and actually be happy for that they're in the booth. Like, all three of them love wrestling. All three of them are passionate about broadcasting wrestling at this point in their careers. And all three of them do an excellent job and are going to do an excellent job every week live. I think it's awesome. Um, so no, I don't think that storylines are going to be scrapped, but I do think that they're going to spend a lot of time in commentary and through video packages explaining who people are. Uh, some people think that this will cannibalize WWE fans, that this will actually take ratings away from Raw and SmackDown, which I think is also ludicrous. If you're putting on three good shows a week, wrestling fans are going to watch three good shows. Period. I mean, end of discussion. If SmackDown is good on Friday night, you're not going to sit there and say, I just watched NXT on Wednesday. I'm not going to watch SmackDown. Is it a lot? It's a huge amount. But if you're putting on a great product, NXT is going to be awesome. I think AEW is going to be really good TV. Raw and SmackDown are progressively getting better each week. I think with Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff uh, at the reins, we have the potential for some really cool stuff. I think 
this much content being thrown at people and the fact that you will have you should have four different shows but realistically we're on smackdown stylistically are going to be very similar so you have wwe you'll have nxt you'll have aew i think this is gonna cause people to pick favorites uh but more importantly i think this is actually going to increase interest in the product i think that having this much on tv is actually going to make people want this much on tv you know, I still think that Raw being a three-hour show is going to be a long haul. I think that's that that's going to have the same problem that it's always had. Three hours in one sitting is always going to be a lot. But wrestling shows have been two hours for a long time now. You know, I and, and I think that I, I think that I don't think it's going to cap, cannibalize the audience. You know, I don't think that you're going to not watch Raw because you know NXT is on on Wednesday. Or you're going to not watch NXT because you know that SmackDown is on on Friday. The only battle here is which whether you watch AEW or NXT live. Now, there are some people who are saying that it's stupid. You're splitting the audience. You are splitting the audience. There's an audience of wrestling fans, and you're splitting them. And they go, it was different during the Monday Night Wars because there were 9 million people watching wrestling. I would venture to guess that we're not even close to 9 million people watching wrestling during the Monday Night Wars every single week. The 9 million figure comes from taking the ratings of Raw and taking the ratings of Nitro and adding them together and getting somewhere in the 9 million range. You, that's no. You didn't have 9 million people watching. You had millions, literally millions of people flipping back and forth between Raw and Nitro. I would imagine that among those millions, many had Nielsen boxes on their cable things. So when you do an overall number of this is how many people watch this show, some of that number are also being counted for Raw. And some of that number are also being counted for Nitro. So I, I don't think there was 9 million people watching wrestling because the people watching Raw and the people watching Nitro were not different people, all of them. Sure, there were some that just watched Raw, just watched Nitro. But a ton of people were switching back and forth. So that's something that you have to put into the narrative when you're doing these numbers of the Attitude Era. But again, I don't think that you're going to split the audience because when you've got AEW and NXT on, on Wednesdays, if you just have AEW on, then you've got this like kind of buzz going on around fans that might not watch where they're going... Oh, I heard this AEW thing comes on Wednesday. If it's just NXT, oh, I heard this NXT thing comes on Wednesday. But when you've got, when, when the world knows that you've got two wrestling shows that are going to be on at the same time competing with each other, you've got an entirely new level of interest. Part of the reason why the Monday Night War boom was what it was, was not just the NWO, Austin McMahon, Bret Hart, Hart Foundation, DX, all of that contributed. But I believe one of the big contributing factors was the fact that you had Raw and Nitro both being great shows, both on at the same time, and people love conflict. People love taking sides. I believe that AEW and NXT will both be great shows. I believe that AEW and NXT both have very passionate people behind them. I think that they will bring out the best in each other. 
And I think that they will draw more people to watching wrestling on Wednesday night because people will know there's a conflict happening and they'll want to be a part of it. That's what I personally believe. Um, I also think, you know, WWE or, or NXT or Triple H or Vince McMahon or whoever will say things like, well, we don't see them as competition. We don't see this as a war, but we'll take pot shots whenever they can and we'll put a wrestling show on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock for two hours live every single week. AEW will say, well, we never considered this a war, but we'll go on TV and smash Triple H's throat. You know, that's silly. This whole thing started... I mean, does nobody remember when the uh, be, being the elite went to the parking lot of Monday Night Raw and did a parody of the of the WWE taking over WCW and WWE got pissed and they ended up firing Jimmy Jacobs because he took a picture with the Bullet Club? But the elite being in the parking lot of Monday Night Raw and saying, and they were joking, but declaring war. And Cody Rhodes going out and saying, like, you know, WWE didn't know what to do with me. I'm going to make them regret that. All these things are signs of war. This has been bubbling on both sides for some time. So for any side to tell you that we're not, we're not considering this a war, we're not even competing, disingenuous, disingenuous. Um, there's been a, a big deal uh, about, well, I'll get to that last, actually. Um, a lot of people pointing out that this means NXT is uh, profitable for the first time because apparently they're getting like $50 million or something from USA for uh, all this new television content, which is great. I hope it's true. We don't really get into the business of things here on Not Sam Wrestling because this isn't a business podcast. It's a wrestling podcast, but uh, hopefully that that is true because it's awesome. More revenue for wrestling is a good thing. Uh, and network availability. So there are, there's, a few opinions on this. NXT will air on the WWE Network right after, or, or 24 hours after it shows up on USA. So it'll be live on USA Wednesday nights. Thursday nights, it'll stream on the WWE Network. Some people are saying, well, if NXT is not on the WWE Network, if I can just watch that on USA, I'm going to unsubscribe from the network. Okay. $9.99 a month. You get every pay-per-view and every takeover. And it's the only place you're getting takeovers. They're not moving the takeovers to USA. And you're getting every pay-per-view for $9.99 a month? $120 a year? That's the cost of, you know, like one and a half pay-per-views. So, you know, I think that that's ridiculous. That, that Well, now that NXT is on USA, why would I subscribe to the network? Because you get every pay-per-view for $10 instead of $70. You know, I still think it's a pretty decent deal. Plus... All the archive content you could imagine, and every if you're that big of an NXT fan, what if I told you you could have every episode of NXT television ever on home video? Well, here's the WWE Network. Um, there are others that say it'll actually be bad for USA because who is going to watch NXT live instead of AEW when you know the next night you could just get it on the WWE Network? I also think that that's a weak argument. Because I think that part of the appeal of NXT is that it's going to be live. For the first time ever, NXT TV is going to be live, okay? Part of the reason why I think there's not uh, an immediacy about NXT TV is because whether we read the spoilers or not, we all know it was taped weeks in advance. They tape like four weeks at a time. 
So the fact that it's live for the very first time and we can be a part of something as it's happening, that's the appeal of it. And you might sit there and go like, well, AEW, you know, it, it's not going to be on the network 24 hours after it's on. No, but you have to hit a button once and you have AEW on your DVR. It's not, you don't even have to set a VCR anymore. You don't have to figure this out. You know, you can hit record. You can record two shows at once. You can hit record on NXT and AEW every single Wednesday. You could do on September 18th. NXT comes on, you can hit record, record every week. On October 2nd, AEW comes on, hit record, record every week, right? You can record both shows to your DVR every week so that every week you can just decide which show you want to watch live. It's exactly the same as being on the network, except you can have the show immediately after it goes off the air as opposed to 24 hours later. So I, I can't imagine that in 2019 people with a cable subscription. First of all, I don't know anybody that has cable and doesn't have DVR. And I can't imagine that anybody in 2019 is sitting there going, well, I'm going to watch NXT in 24 hours. I'll watch AEW live. If anything, they'll just DVR NXT on USA, which they would do anyway without the network or vice versa to AEW. So I do not agree that there is anything about NXT being on the network that's going to take away a considerable amount of viewers. The one hiccup that has the world talking is keeping Vince McMahon's hands off of NXT. They say uh, the, the biggest skepticism about this move is that NXT is now t making the company supposedly $50 million a year. It's a lot of money. It's going to be on the USA network, the top cable network, non-news cable network in the country for two hours in primetime every week live. And... It's going head-to-head -head with your biggest wrestling-based competition since WCW folded. So the theory here is when you set all this up together, how does Vince McMahon not have his hands on this thing? All the reports so far have been NXT is going to continue to broadcast from full sale, and it's going to continue to run as it ran uh, with Triple H all hands on deck and Vince McMahon hands off. Vince McMahon isn't even going to be in Florida, which I can believe that. And I actually, and you could say, well, if NXT doesn't perform, Vince McMahon is going to have his hands all over it. I believe NXT will perform. I don't even think it's a risk. Dude, I know I'm a shill and I know I'm sounding like I'm blowing smoke or whatever. Triple H is a wrestling genius. Triple H is an incredible person. And then he goes a step further and he surrounds himself with Shawn Michaels, a wrestling genius. Road Dog, a wrestling genius. You know, when you look at the brains that are putting NXT together, when you look at the fact that takeover after takeover after takeover after takeover has lived up to itself with expectations that no one could possibly meet and they meet or break them every time, you can't seriously worry that NXT is going to underperform. I absolutely believe they will perform well. And I believe that uh, you're going to have main roster guys looking like, oh man, look at what they're doing over there. You're going to have main roster guys wishing they were on that NXT show. So the fact that it, I don't think it will underperform is, a, I think, a ticket in favor of Vince McMahon allowing Triple H to keep his hands on it. I think Vince McMahon will have something to do with it ultimately. But 
you know, I hope that they develop uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. If it's broke, you got to fix it, you know. And Vince McMahon has done a, a lot of ridiculous stuff, and he's done a lot of good stuff too. However, I think in the meantime, in between time, this is a this is a Triple H project. Triple H has done for NXT what nobody thought possible. And I think he's going to continue to do that. I mean, he just loves wrestling so much. And that comes through with every show that NXT puts on. But I, I mean, this is I mean, this is amazing news for everybody on board. Shayna Baszler, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Roderick Strong, Matt uh, 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 Riddle. I was about to say Matthew Rod- Broderick. <laughs> Matt Riddle, uh, Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, my God. Street Profits, who are apparently not moving to Raw. I mean, everybody. Everybody. This is such amazing news for. This is the type of news where if you're Velveteen Dream, you stop putting Call Me Up Vince on your pants because you stay in NXT. You're like that fat kid in Billy Madison. Don't you ever say that. Stay here. Stay as long as you can. There's nothing like NXT and I can't wait till the world sees it. I think I think this is such, such amazing news for NXT. I mean, I'm so excited about the fact that it's coming September 18th. I'm going to I'm, I'm adding a second podcast every week to my already ridiculous workload for free for you. Okay. I hope you guys appreciate it. I hope you guys have appreciated this show. Uh, I'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.